Hi, and welcome to the NCC More podcast. This is the time where we we come around the table and we continue the conversation that we started on Sunday. We try to add a little bit more value to the talk uh, that we started in. And Sunday, Pastor Scott, you spoke on Sunday. I did. And uh, it was great. We're in the middle of this journey right now called Morning Joy. It's a seven-week journey we're taking as a church um, uh, through the book of Philippians, uh, which the book of Philippians was, uh, it's a book on joy. And ironically, the Apostle Paul, well, not on, only on joy, but it's one of the main topics of the book. And yep. ironically, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote that book in prison. Yep. And uh, who would have thought you could have uh, joy in prison? But uh, And so we're going through the book of Philippians, and, and we have a soap journal, which if you haven't downloaded the journal, if you don't have a copy of that, uh, we'll put a link uh, for the journal in the show notes so you can follow along uh, as we go throughout the book of Philippians. But Sunday, we talked about a specific topic pertaining to joy and pertaining to our life with Christ out of the book of Philippians. And it was this concept of of pressing on, mm. which I think was even the title of your message, right? Pressing forward. Yep. Pressing forward. Yep. And so do you want to go ahead and just like tee up our conversation just by giving a real quick synopsis of how we led into that talk on Sunday? Yeah, it, right there in the middle of Philippians in chapter 3, I preached from verses 12, 13, and 14. And it's almost as if right there in the middle of that chapter, as he's talking about joy and some other things, it's almost like he stops and gives the people of Philippi and us, kind of a locker room talk, if you will, mm-hmm. and reminds us uh, of what the, the purpose is and what's supposed to motivate us, especially in our walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think in so doing, he actually strikes at the very heart of how it is we can have joy mm-hmm. in our lives, not just in our lives, but potentially every morning when we get up, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter how well we slept and no matter what went on the day before. Right. But we can find joy. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, uh, and he creates that moment mm-hmm. by saying what some of us have memorized for decades, um, uh, leaving all behind, I press forward mm-hmm. to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So mm-hmm. that was the, the thesis of the sermon right there. Right, right. And, and throughout the sermon, we, 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 you gave many track illustrations. I did. I, I felt like I, I left... Uh, knowing just as much about the U.S. Olympic track history as I did yeah. <laughs> Jesus well, on Sunday. but Trying to follow along with Paul you right. know, in the scripture, he, he paints for us there uh, a picture of a race. Mm-hmm. And I said in the sermon that uh, I'm going to ask Paul someday if he was a sports fan because he does that a, a handful of times in the New Testament. But he knows that human nature is to understand a race of some kind, even if it's not on a a track of track and field. So I, I did. I chose three uh, very famous track athletes, two of them, two of whom were Americans and very mm-hmm. successful, and compared and contrasted and and uh, and enjoyed doing that. Got a lot of positive uh, feedback from lots of people. Came out saying they that those athletic examples uh, made a lot of sense to them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but so one of the uh, one of the lessons that we pulled out of the scripture that you elaborated on, and I kind of want to talk about for a second, um, was our tendency to look back mm. in our in our quest of pressing forward, and uh, we mentioned about you know that we have good memories and we have bad memories. Mm. Um, it, what, of course, you know, we can dwell on the past, we can think about past mistakes, we can think about past failures, um, and and that, of course, will trip us up for living in our future. Mm. But you also mentioned all the good things 
you know, we want to remember those things, but is there a negative side of being uh, enveloped with all the good things that have happened in the past? Yes. Uh, a lot of uh, people will call it resting on your laurels, but it's not just victories we've had in the past, but we, some things that are good, uh, loving parents, you know, who've told us about Jesus, um, precious friends who helped us know Jesus and kept us close to Jesus. I mentioned in the sermon our our moment of salvation, our experience of baptism. Mm -hmm. Those are things that God wants us to not just merely forget, mm -hmm. but to remember and, and kind of hang our hats on those. And so it's an issue of contrast. Yeah. What, what Paul's saying here and what God's telling us is don't let, let any of those things, mm -hmm. whether they're good, bad, or otherwise, get in the way or become more important than pressing on to the mark of the high calling of God and Christ Jesus, racing to that finish line. Mm -hmm. Don't let those things. Um, the harder battles, of, of course, are people who have been terribly wounded in their lives, either mm -hmm. by a parent uh, who has mistreated them because of their own hurt, hurt and dysfunction, have told them that they're not, you know, they're not worthy, they're not worth anything, they don't have what it takes, or they've abused them even worse than that. Trying to get away from that um, can often only be done through faith in Christ. Uh, I, I had a very helpful seminary professor who wrote a book called The Healing of Memories, um, and it was a, a very deep and profound book about praying through some of those painful memories. He even received some criticism from some in the psychological community, none of whom were Christians. But um, so, so the healing of memories and leaving those behind can be hard, mm -hmm. and often it's only by the grace of God that those things can be left behind mm -hmm. and we can be made new. How, how do you begin, you know, on a practical level, begin that healing process? Because everyone to some degree has been hurt in times past. Mm. Everyone to some degree has been, you know, talked bad about by a coworker, by a friend. They've been, dis they've been disappointed by someone. How, how do you begin that process of really letting go of what was in the past, allowing that to heal, to embrace the future. Yeah, it's hard, and having, of course, other Christians right, right. around you helps uh, immensely, and I think God even commands that in Scripture. I think, uh, first of all, staring at the, the circumstances that hurt you and not trying to hide from them, that's some of the hardest work, um, and especially if it was a parent, because that parent is the very one who's supposed to protect you from the evil of the world. And if that parent is the one who, on the other hand, hurt you in some way, mm -hmm. uh, you, you need to admit that that happened. Of course, part of the grace in that moment, uh, Jared, is, is admitting that that parent was also a broken person in some way. Not mm. to excuse what they did, because yeah. adults shouldn't behave that way but to remember that that person had his or her own brokenness in their life. Mm. And maybe mm. they were mistreated by a parent or somebody else, and they were not able to heal. So you, it's sort of stopping a cycle of mm -hmm. living out of woundedness. So recognizing when you become an adult, of course, it's much easier. Recognizing that the person who hurt you had brokenness that made them unable to cope, mm -hmm. unable to, to act more maturely uh, toward you. That's not to excuse them, but just to understand that they were broken as well. And then, and then forgiving. It has to be a way through the grace of God for you to forgive them for that, knowing that not forgiving hurts you more than it does them because, like we said Sunday, mm -hmm. it keeps you from going forward. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And the con of not breaking that, you, you call it a cycle, 
right? Mm, like yeah. if you aren't able to recognize that they were broken and learn to forgive, there there's a there's there's a there's a there's a chance there's a mm. possibility of you repeating that same behavior not even intentionally it just comes almost kind of naturally yeah I would, right i would say and i it sounds a little bit dark but i would say there's a probability because i can't tell you how many folks i've had in my counseling office who through tears and sometimes literally weeping have said i promised myself mm. that i would not behave like this i promised myself 30 years ago that i wouldn't treat a child this way i promised myself and and it's one thing to promise yourself it's a whole nother thing to go through the the vulnerable and the hard work of um of forgiving mm -hmm. to truly leave something in the past mm -hmm. um, in the sermon that's why i I preferred the phrase leaving everything behind instead of forgetting all that is past. Most mm -hmm. biblical translations say forgetting all that is past. Yeah. But it's not just absent-mindedly forgetting things because things like that that happen to us, we never forget those things. Mm -hmm. um, but we can leave them behind by mm -hmm. an act of our humility and an act of our, mm -hmm. our will yeah. with God's help. Real quick, I want to jump back to what you said because I, I, I think there might be some people listening who might be in this moment. You said there are you know, if you if the probability is stacked against you, mm. if you don't break free of that cycle, yeah. what about someone who is in those shoes who may be listening who says, I am that parent, I am that coworker, I am that friend, I am that business owner who said, I would never do that. Mm. I told myself I was never going to be that parent. I told myself I was never going to, you know, uh, make that shortcut or do do that thing that was wrong. But then they find themselves in this cycle of, of of just being caught up in that habit of that behavior. How 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 do you get out of that? Well, it sometimes it takes somebody to counsel with you uh, over a period of time so that they can feed back to you uh, uh, unhealthy thoughts or unhealthy actions. And and again, the healing of those memories to, for that person to be able to to grab your hands and to bow their heads with you and to pray. You know that God would take you back there and then kind of bathe that memory in grace mm -hmm. and realize that unless you do humble yourself before God not because any of it was your fault of course but um, uh, to let God into those circumstances mm -hmm. in a very deep and profound way mm -hmm. and then find forgiveness from your heart forgiveness is always hard real forgiveness for a, we a real woundedness is always hard, even for the healthiest among us. Right. Jesus never said forgiveness would be easy, but but it's critical. Mm -hmm. And I think I guess my answer is having having someone to help you, whether you know a Christian friend or a counselor, a pastor, um, and then of course, like I said, hanging around with other Christians is gonna um, is gonna reveal an yeah. avenue and some ways for other Christians to help you mm -hmm. uh, help you do that. So in other words, you, you need to seek out some counseling. Need some help. You need to get yeah. some help, and you yeah. need to get in a group if you're not in a group. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because those tapes that play in our head, they always talk about those tapes that constantly play. You're normally not the one by yourself who can stop those pl tapes mm -hmm. from playing. Yeah. You can try to push stop, but like we said, it's so... Some of those wounds are so deep, and they touch a part of us that is so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, and intimate that we can't we can't just push the stop button on some of those tapes, those right, unhealthy right. tapes. Which ties into another point that you brought up. Another lesson that we pulled out of the scripture is 
if we're going to press forward, we have to come before God with an honest and a vulnerable heart. Mm. And you and I kind of talked about it uh, before before Sunday, but just the the scariness mm. of vulnerability uh, and the scariness of being authentic. Yeah. Uh, and and how do you, especially growing up, you know, we're we're in the South, we're in the Bible Belt. People are used to coming to church with their with their church masks on, mm, yeah. and you know their life looks the opposite of what they're portraying when they walk in the door Sunday morning yeah. uh, because people feel like they need to put that on to be accepted. And, uh, but how, how, do we, how, do we develop, uh, how do we develop an honest and vulnerable and authentic heart? You know, I, I would turn that around first, Jared, and I would speak to the church, to us, uh-huh. that we need to be more genuine mm. when we're around people. You know, we have our church faces, we have our church voices. Just in the last two and a half weeks, I was in a restaurant, and there was a table of six or eight friends. They obviously, I think it might have been on a Sunday at lunch or something, but they obviously, I heard them talking about church, and one of their fellow church members walked up, and everybody there had, you know, been to church, and the conversation was was so unnatural and unreal, it made me start laughing and then I had to look at myself and realize that if we all had to show up on Sunday morning with, and God was in charge of our facial expressions, I think we would stay all Sunday just to pray for the wounded, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we just don't see it like we should. So it starts with us uh, being honest with people and, and listening to them when we ask them, how are you doing? That old line, you know, everybody's going to say, for the most part, I'm doing well. And when we ask it, we don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. So, but mm. yes, that vulnerability and that authenticity um, takes courage. And sometimes it's not till someone is desperate enough because of the way they've behaved or because of the way they've treated their children. They're so desperate, they just say, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hate for people to get to that moment of desperation, but, but sometimes, again, the wounds are so deep. It can take uh, a moment, a very dramatic moment, for them to say, I've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, vulnerability. We are. We do not live in a culture where we are by nature vulnerable. Mm-hmm. When you come across people like who are, you can tell it immediately. Uh, and I'm, I'm one because I enjoy humor, you know, and I enjoy, you know, lightness, and I call it winsomeness, and and it makes people comfortable. I've even been told by people that I have this great gift of making people comfortable, and you know, I took that as a wonderful compliment for probably 25 years, and then one day God said, you know that can't always be a great thing because you, you allow people to ignore what needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. So we need to be willing to talk about what needs to be talked about. Right, right. So if uh, let, let's talk to someone who's maybe listening to this and saying, I, you know, I need to develop an authentic mm-hmm. heart. I need to become more vulnerable, uh, you know, with, with my friends. I need to become more vulnerable with my spouse. I need to become more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. What, what are some practical things that they can do to start make, taking those steps toward living with an authentic and vulnerable heart? Well, I'm going to tell you, in our culture today, there may have been places 25 or 30 or 40 years ago where you might have found that, but if, if it's not in a Christian church, I just don't know where you find it. I've been around a long time, and, you know, I found some of it in the military because of the shared mission, you know, and some of the, frankly, the frightfulness of going to strange and dangerous places, and I've been to a lot of those places, you know, when I was in the military for 30 years, and, but, you know, finding a Christian church, and then, like I said in the sermon, getting into a group of Christians, whatever the purpose of the group is, you get to overhear, and you get to listen, and you get to watch 
um, uh, people who have learned to be vulnerable. And then you find out that it's safe to be vulnerable and mm -hmm. that there's a loving God out there that if you lay your vulnerability right there before him, he's right there to pick it up with his heart and with his hands uh, and with his direction and his healing and his comfort and protection. And you'll find out in the body of Christ that being vulnerable, I, I would say that's a practical thing is to, to get to church, to get to a, a Christian mm -hmm. fellowship of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, where you're with other Christians, watching other Christians be vulnerable. There's such great testimonies out there. I mean, the number of, the number of Christian books today is just astounding, mm -hmm. uh, and and you can uh, you can find examples of those who have been broken, if you will, before the Lord, and vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, and reading about them. I've found for me in, in my walk that it's 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 easier for me to become vulnerable and authentic when I create a space for others to feel comfortable being vulnerable and authentic. Mm. Like you mentioned earlier, when we ask someone how they're doing, we don't really mean it. We just we're we're just you know making small talk yeah. as we you know mingle in the church foyer. But really, you know you know, you know, getting, you know, Hey, let's get coffee. You know, Hey, how you doing? How, how are you really doing? You know, yeah. how's your, how's your walk with God? How's, how, how's your relationship with your spouse? You know, what, what's life like for you right now? And, and as Christians, especially uh, being attentive to what that person's really saying, I learned something from one of my best friends in the world. We were in the air force together and both of us chaplains and he, he found out early on that I just love to talk about my two boys. And everybody who knows me knows, and I talk about them too much, I'm sure, but lots of parents are like that. But whenever I would see him, and we weren't always together because we were moving around in the Air Force, invariably, early in the conversation, he would say, how's Ross doing or how's Mitchell doing? Mm -hmm. And it took me a number of years to realize what he was doing. He was, he was touching the part of me that he knew was precious to me. Mm -hmm. And so you, all you need is one thing from that person um, uh, and, and then offering them your vulnerability as well opens up uh, doors that wouldn't normally be opened mm -hmm. by finding out what's precious to them and asking them about that, mm -hmm. which can invariably lead to a much more uh, revealing conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this can all be wrapped up. And, you know, we have a house habit here at North Point. We practice honesty. That's right. Um, That's right. Which isn't always the funnest thing um, because it's not comfortable for us. Yeah, and, but the harder it is, the more important it is. Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then another one of the, of the last lesson, actually, that we pulled out of it uh, was, has Jesus laid a hold of you? And, and, mm -hmm. and I want to talk for a moment. Of course, we could take this in the route of salvation, but I want to take this in the thought of, you know, like our opinions, and how, mm. how in our worldview and how we live our day-to-day, -day, you know, not just, not just our, our, our outspoken verbal agreement of, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, but the actual application of it Monday through Saturday, you know, mm. when we're not at church. You know, what does that look like for, has Jesus laid hold of you, you know, in that well, sphere? I, you know, after all these years, I, f I consider myself a fairly mature Christian, but obviously the most mature Christians are also the humblest about that. So, <laughs> you know, there's kind of a funny paradox there. But I, Jesus laid hold of me a few weeks ago when Pastor Destiny was preaching about the Good Samaritan. And she said, you know, 
that good Samaritan who rescued that guy beat up on the side of the road never asked that guy how he got where he was. He didn't blame him for bad decisions. He didn't blame him for going down the wrong way without help or without a, someone to protect him. You know, there was no criticism in the healing moment. Now, he, he might have helped him in some other ways later. Uh, and so J Jesus grabbed a hold of me with that one fact from that sermon, because I can be guilty of that. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up in an upper middle class home in a wonderful free country and, you know, you know, was able to do well in school and all, I had all kinds of advantages, I worked hard. But so I, all of us as Christians are susceptible, you know, to, to uh, not letting God grab hold of us mm. when it comes to our attitude about the people around us, no matter who they are and mm -hmm. where they are and where they live. And where they grew up, mm -hmm. but I—that really is the favorite. My favorite part of that sermon uh, is that part about has Jesus laid hold of you? Mm -hmm. Because once I, I compare it to the the loving father who welcomed the the prodigal son home, my goodness, what an outpouring of love from that father um, to welcome, like God welcomes us with open arms through His grace when we take one step toward Him, He's right there to receive us. But at some point, God, because of his great love, what he asks of Scott is, surrender your life to me. Yeah, yeah. And that's where Jesus lays a hold of us mm -hmm. and, and really, you know, uh, directs our path. And, uh, and that's sort of the next step. Sometimes I call it the master's degree level of, of uh, knowing mm -hmm. Jesus and then following him. Okay. So, I, down on a practical level, how does someone begin or continue or advance in that that train of thought, you know, not just mm. letting Jesus lay hold of your eternity, but letting Jesus lay hold of your Tuesday afternoon yeah. in the middle of your work shift. Well, you know, for decades we've talked about a morning quiet time, and I that that even just that phrase has gotten a little passe and old fashioned. But I think something has to happen in the morning when you st whenever you get out of the bed and start your day, you need to build something into that first fifteen minutes. Of course, I would say Bible reading and prayer are the, are the two starting points, but some conversation you have with God at the beginning of each day, you know, mine is create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me from Psalm 51. I've been saying that for 30 years in the morning when I get up, but something that focuses you immediately on Him and, and who He uh, is to you and, and who He believes you to be as one of His children, as a as a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So in the morning, practically, just some moment um, that starts you in that spot so that you can continue in that spot, uh, in that flow the whole day. Um, and then, like I said before, it's, boy, nowadays with all the stuff around us and all the stuff that comes at us without having some interaction with Christians, mm -hmm. whether it's a, a lunchtime friend who's a Christian or, or even a texting friend or, you know, an email friend, keep you focused on mm -hmm. uh, Christ-like things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for there's practical things we can do because for me, for example, and for people my age group, it's it's easy to slip into the habit as soon as you wake up in the morning, you grab mm. your smartphone, you know, your iPhone, and you open up Instagram or Facebook, yeah. uh, and it's just second nature. 
And so one thing that I did was I realized that I got into an unhealthy habit of just, this is the first thing I did was I just opened it up. So I just moved my apps around and I put my little Bible app in the place where my, so, so whenever I opened up the phone, uh, you know, mm. muscle memory, I hit that same button, but it was the Bible app instead of Instagram. So you tricked yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's the kind of thing it takes. Yeah. Like you said, especially mm-hmm. the way technology is. Yeah. I've had that happen you know, I don't know a lot about technology, but when my apps, for whatever reason, change where they are on the screen, mm-hmm. it confuses me for about two weeks. You know, so <laughs> right, um, yeah. Well, hey, this Sunday was so amazing. Thank you so much. And and you need to be here this Sunday. Uh, Pastor Destiny is on the mic. You don't want to miss it. Um, it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Amen. And again, if you don't have the Morning Joy Soap Journal uh, that we're going through uh, during this journey, you can download it. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, down, uh, down below. Uh, so you can download that and you can follow along with us. But we want to see you here uh, as we continue this journey through the book of Philippians called Morning Joy. Well, we look to see you here Sunday at 9 30 or 11 15.